0: hi everyone i'm shelly kurth and i'm here with my colleague dr nicole assisi today we're here to talk to you about how to stay sane in these times of unprecedented parenting
1: And if you've been watching by now, you know that Shelly and I have over 30 years of experience working with children, not just as parents, which we are, but also working in schools as teachers, principals, uh, system leaders, administrators. And um, like you, we are figuring out how to best support our own children in this pandemic environment where they are around us a whole lot more leaving lots of opportunities to try on some new parenting skills, learn some new skills. And the skill we're going to be talking about today are coping skills. So how can you support your child um, in any given moment? And we'll kick right into the content and have Shelly share with us a little bit more about what are coping skills? Why do they matter? Why are we doing a whole episode on them, Shelly? Tell us more. Thanks for asking.
0: What is a coping skill? Well, it's simply a habit or an activity that people use to manage emotions in a healthy way. They're used really deliberately when a person's feeling anxious or stressed, angry. It's a way to cool off your feelings so that you can think clearly uh, or get yourself out of a difficult situation. Managing your stress is so important. It makes you feel better physically, emotionally, psychologically, and it can also really impact your ability to perform at your very best. And I'm sure you can see when your kiddo's under stress, how that really can deteriorate, not just their ability to do what you asked or what they need to do, but it can actually affect the whole family. Um, so these coping skills, they help us to relax, to calm that fight, flight, or freeze response that we might get into in, in stressful situations. and. Um, while a lot of us develop those coping skills over time and through trial and error, like maybe you go for a run after you've hard- had a hard day, but your kids might need a little extra help in recognizing and developing those skills for themselves. Um, they'll help to buy your kids time. They give your kids an opportunity to pause and consider um, the options before they take, a, take an action. Um, and they can shift a focus. Uh, It helps put the attention to something besides himself or herself, something outside of themselves, which can help reduce worry. So while there's many different ways um, to cope, everything from exercising to creating to-do lists, one of my favorite, um, today we're gonna focus on some kid-specific tools um, that you can add to the toolbox for particularly
1: stressful situations. Nicole, why don't you kick us off? Great. So you will remember that a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about mental well being and just sort of what is needed in order to have a healthy mind. Uh, you may recall that we talked about Dr. Dan Siegel, who talked about something called a mind plate. The thinking behind that was that there are multiple components of your day that you need in order to have resilience, right? That included connection, sleep, some joy, but none of those things prevent those moments, occasional or maybe very often, if your household is anything like mine, where your kid is at their wit's end. They either have some really big feelings around the fact that their graham cracker broke or that they didn't get through all the work they needed to do for their class, and that creates friction and frustration. So what do you do? In our house, we think about problems in two ways. Uh, Is it something that has a solution or is it something that we just need some emotional release for? Think about something that has a solution being something where you can sit down with your child and say, what do you need? Let's make a plan. Like, I don't want to hop on this Zoom call. Okay, I understand. Let's make a plan. Let's get these things done first so that later you can do these other things that you want to do. Or I really want to hang this picture great. What do you need? A hammer, nails. We have a solution for that. Those sometimes feel like the easier things to solve for, don't they? But what about those things that don't have a solution or at least not a solution that's readily available for you? Like, I am so mad that I can't have a birthday party or I am so sad that I haven't seen my friends in a really long time. Um, Sure, you can come up with some solutions, but really you can't fix the thing that your kid really wants, which is make the pandemic stop. I don't wanna be under quarantine. For those moments, think about helping your child first, label their feelings. We talked before about the fact that feelings are your body's response to a stimulus. They are not good or bad, they are just a response. What you do with that response, sure, that can be good or bad, but feelings in and of themselves are neutral. You feel sad. You feel excited. You feel angry. You feel hurt. You feel sad. Like, it is just a reaction. Help your child increase their vocabulary around feelings. Normalize feelings. Model what feelings are like for you. So when your child is um, having a really tough moment, you know, uh, they can look back at, gosh, when mommy was feeling this way, this is what she did. Remind them what that is. And really start by teaching your child how to ask for help. So often as parents, we jump into rescue. I get it. I do it all the time. But really pause and give your kids the tools to ask for help. My son is especially clever at trying to circumvent asking for help. He will ask in these very convoluted ways. Like, it's really dark in here. And I go, oh, (laughs) what do you need? And I know what he needs. He wants me to turn on the light. But teaching your kid to have direct communication and say, can you please turn on the light for me, actually serves them as an adult. And building those habits of asking for help gives them another coping skill. I'm stuck. I'm sad. I'm hurt. I'm angry. I need help. Uh, And build that in as a regular habit. Uh, there are also habits that are used by kids and adults that are really effective. And Shelly, I think you have a really great suggestion for us, don't you?
0: Yeah, I. this is actually, I call it box breathing. Um, it has a few different names this is used by everyone from athletes to u.s navy seals police officers nurses Um, it helps you get out of stressful situations it helps regulate you but for for kids i really love this because not only does it teach them how to breathe slowly and mindfully but it gets them out of themselves and concentrating on something else so i draw a box and i have children follow the box with their fingers so on side one of the square or the box you're going to count breathe in for four on side two you hold the breath and count for four inside three you breathe out for four and side four you rest for another count of four and then you start again so it is mindful slow breathing with your little kids concentrating and tracing that box when you teach this method to your your little kid um they can actually then use that for their whole life and and finally the box may drift away the picture of the box but you're thinking of those counts of four breathing in for four hold for four breathe out for four rest for four Um, it has remarkable effects um, and definitely little kids can use that easily on the fly um, at, to regulate themselves and get themselves out of a stressful situation. Nicole, you have something really cool
1: too. I do, well, cause I hear myself saying, okay, but breathing doesn't always help. Like, what do I do when like, I am out of breath, we've tried breathing, then what do I do? Um, and that's a real question, not just because we've all experienced it, but because children actually, when they have, uh, what I call big feelings, big emotions. They're in a heightened state where they can't logically make the connections to get to a place where they can problem solve. And that is because the place that they are in at that moment in their mind doesn't let them make a connection in their brain to the part of your brain that does problem solving. If you're interested in this topic more, I highly, highly recommend Dan Siegel's book, The Whole Brain Child. It talks a lot more about that. But one of the suggestions he and other experts in the field give is to actually shift attention away from the problem rather than trying to solve the problem in that moment. Feels counterintuitive, but here's what they mean. When your child is so frustrated they can't move forward, they're actually paralyzed in that moment and hormones are flooding their brain, chemicals like are out of control raging through their brain and they're not able to access that logical part of their brain. So, uh, one strategy is called 54321. And here is one way to go through this activity. Five is name five things you can see in your room around you. It's really about engaging the five senses. So five, see things in the room around you and name them. Four is four things that you can touch. Go and touch four things. Three is three things that you can hear. You gotta be really quiet sometimes and listen. This is the moment where kids actually need to calm that sobbing, calm the sounds that are going on, and to really listen for what they hear around the house. Two are things that you can smell. They might be good smells like what's cooking on the stove or bad smells like a stinky sneaker. And one is one thing that you can taste and taste is sometimes hard for kids. So if they're not able to come up with anything, have them remember the last thing they ate and they can taste or something that they're looking forward to tasting later on in the day. Taking them out of that heightened state of emotion and starting to access their five senses actually reintegrates their brain, then making it more easy for them to move into a problem solving mindset. Make sense? I have my
0: favorite tool to share with you now i have used this as a teacher i had one in my office when i was a principal uh, and i always have one as a parent or when i babysit my little nieces and nephews now Um, i call it a calm down kit you can name it whatever you want but it's basically a box or a basket or a bag that has items that will engage your children's senses nicole was just talking about calling them out with her five four three two one this time they can actually touch and feel something or smell something that will get their mind off what they're doing and helps to calm them down that could be anything from a stress ball to maybe lotion that smells good or a picture that makes them feel happy i i often use a slinky at my um box at work. I have an old school Stretch Armstrong, that toy from the 70s that kids like. So uh, I often have kids choose with me what will be in their calm down box. Um, my nieces and nephews, when they come over and visit, they have their own personal ones, different for each of them. Um, it is so fun to create it, but it's also something that helps kids learn what regulates them and when they like to calm down. Um, I love to journal when I'm upset. Maybe they'll learn that that works for them too in their calm down kit. Don't underestimate the power of music, of movement, of art, of all of those different things. They all different, work differently for different people. So if you look closely, you can probably identify your coping strategies that you use all the time. You probably can even identify some of your your children's. Um, So what do you wanna add to the toolbox? What could you use for a calm down kit? What can you just call on as needed or remind them that they already have? Um, It's fun to, to figure out. Nicole, can we talk about a few tips to remember as you're learning and practicing?
1: Absolutely. Um, And you know what's so funny, Shelly? I realized I have five again for you. That's my magic number for our series today, apparently five. And these are five reminders for you at home as parents, five reminders for me as a mom, uh, of how to support my kid with coping strategies. The first one is to prompt, then to model, to normalize, to acknowledge, and to remind. So starting with prompting. This is where you prompt your child with what you think is happening for them. Because sometimes we're so in the midst of our emotions that we're not noticing what's happening for us. Well, That happens to kids too, and it's even harder for them to sort of see what's going on, right? Like think about that moment when your child was trying to learn how to tie their shoes and their shoelaces and it's not working and you see them getting really flustered and they're not even sure it's happening yet and before you know it, major meltdowns. So hit the pause button and prompt with something like, it looks like you're getting frustrated. What do you need right now, right? Just check in with them, like, what do you need? Another reminder is to model. If you're anything like me, at least, you're bound to have some sort of need for coping strategies for your emotions during this time of quarantine. So when you're feeling frustrated or anxious or lonely, whatever it might be, model for your child what you're doing. Like, wow, I'm really frustrated right now. I think I need to take a deep breath. Wow, that helped me feel better. And sharing those things with your kid actually normalizes, one, their feelings and models for them, like, what do adults do when they're frustrated? Like, gosh, I was really frustrated on that last phone call, or it made me really sad that I couldn't celebrate grandpa's birthday with him. Maybe we can draw him a card. Maybe we can do something about that. And part of that modeling is really this third piece of normalizing feelings and allowing your child to have these feelings. We've been talking in many of our episodes that feelings are okay, they are a natural response. How we react to feelings, what we do with those feelings, may be a different story, but having a feeling is natural and normal. And normalizing that for your child and helping them sort of be comfortable with the fact that they are an emotional being is actually really healthy for them. Then acknowledging your child, the fourth reminder is really acknowledging when they are taking care of themselves, when they're using a skill that's working for them. Hey, I noticed you were getting upset and you used that basket that Shelly set up for you to calm yourself down. Excellent work. Acknowledging is really important is because it reinforces good habits. It reinforces to a child that they can actually uh, come up with strategies and help themselves feel better. And the last one is when they're not able to access that, remind them of what worked or even ask them what worked. Hey, last time you did some coloring. Did that help you feel better? Or I think I remember the last time you were going through this, you did some coloring and that seemed to help. Should we try that? So again, remember your strategies um, and as always be kind and gentle with yourself. This work is hard. Being a parent is hard. Being a parent during quarantine is even harder and add to that all the other stresses of what you might be worried about uh parents work other things you're worrying about be gentle with yourself um and take the things that we've said as suggestions um shelly i'm going to pass it over to you to close us out um, but thank you so much for being with us today
0: Developing these coping skills will take time and patience for your kiddo and for you. Don't expect your kids to use these strategies effectively right away. It's going to take them a little time to determine what works and what doesn't. There's some good news, though. We have some time to teach them. Being together right now is a great time to practice. Uh, Practice new tools. Practice all those coping strategies. Model them and be kind to each other. Have a great day.